Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. In this episode, we debate which squad would win the matchup between 2018 LA United versus 2019 LA United. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ. This is Tanner and Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. So guys, let's get into the news and some of the highlights from the football world. So first up is that MLS is expected to announce that the 2020 season will be postponed until at least June 8th and that the league is a little bit hopeful of resuming play in June. Uh, I mean, and I'm going to combine, I think, all of these uh, bits of news about MLS uh, trying to get back together and playing. Uh, so MLS also, they fear the 2020 season might have to be shortened. Uh, now, I mean, it was originally going to be somewhere around May, May 10th. Uh, now they're really not trying to put, I think, too hard of a... Uh, of an actual date that we come back, but June 8th uh, is very interesting as that kind of earmarked date now, Uh, but also that uh, the league will be exploring playing behind closed doors at neutral sites when and if we do resume, and then it could potentially be a tournament type of format uh, in this abridged season. What are you guys' thoughts on all that? I mean, I think the first thing is that it's coming more and more to acceptance that the season is not going to be 34 games. Um, and I think that also shows the fact that they don't want the league to, to start in 2020 or to play, I mean, 2021 to play into 2021. They clearly want to get it done this year. Um, and also that behind closed doors, I think that's pretty much going to be inevitable. Um, how long that lasts, you know, will the whole season be played behind closed doors or if things get under control, will they start opening it back up to the public, you know? I think those are going to be the big questions about it. But, you know, uh, at this point, trying to put a solid date on anything seems like a bit foolhardy. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, I mean, like, look, we meet every week, and it seems like every week the the situation has changed. You know what I mean? The landscape has changed, so to speak. And so now, um, you know, we're talking about hopefully – well, MLS is talking about hopefully resuming in June. But uh, you hear uh, in certain states, certain countries, certain territories – them talking about not having any sporting events for the entire summer, you know? And so I think it's just the reality of where we are. I think that uh, most of the regular season, if it happens, will probably be behind closed doors, if not all of it, you know? It's just, uh, yeah, I think there's, we just, it's just, uh, it's all part of like accepting this new reality, you know, obviously like things are going to be fundamentally different in the short term and long term. And I think in the, short-term sports at least looking at for the rest of 2020 you're talking about a lot of games where not just in soccer really where uh fans will not be in attendance yeah i mean yeah definitely nba was talking about maybe playing in like las vegas uh in like kind of camps where they um yeah have people that are cleared of covid uh you know and then they all play together uh in some sort of um, you know, rotating in arenas type of format. But yeah, obviously the difficulty is, you know, you have kind of the support staff that needs to be there. That's where the difficulties I think arise is there is going to be someone from the outside coming in and God forbid one of them gets sick, then, you know, you have to maybe quarantine, you know, an entire group of 
Like, how do you you just like forfeit the game just because uh, you know it's just it becomes a conundrum. Uh, Major League Baseball as well. They were thinking about maybe going uh, kind of grapefruit and uh, what's the other one? Cactus. Uh, cactus uh, league style where yeah they hole up in Arizona and Florida. Uh, yeah, I mean, either way, you know, they've all been floating these ideas, but uh, I, I think it's good that they're trying to come up with really out-of-the-box uh, kind of solutions, but I think at the end of the day, uh, I think many of us are probably resigned to the fact that, yeah, many of these games are likely pushed uh, to, you know, maybe not happening or voided or so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, we all hope that, um, you know, the situation in this pandemic gets better obviously but uh moving on from i mean hold on say one more thing about that though is that also the weird thing is is that like you said with the tournament that's really complicated also how you select the venues for you know major league soccer isn't a team that yes the owners have the money but in terms of having money to go tournament style like where would you pick those neutral venues at do you pick places that have the best facilities like there's so much that that brings into it and also the thing about if you start things up again you know a lot of people think that in this will continue or say you know it goes away for the summer which can happen when viruses and then comes back in the fall winter do you stop again if things aren't done in time and having to stop and start and stop and start honestly i think for me the thing i'm thinking more and more as things goes on that for a season like mls it just started my gut says it might end up just getting voided entirely and not even happen yeah which would be terrible for uh you know a lot of reasons obviously but mm-hmm. uh you know yeah also one more thing on that is the mls studio type of thing that they were talking about in terms of uh where it would be you know this grand production uh from mls but in terms of anybody in the stands there wouldn't be uh also you guys probably saw those cutouts uh of uh the fans that would be like you know one of the solutions to make it was it weird a bit more full but it was in Borussia Mönchengladbach and Germany did it and it was just but it wasn't like at first when I read the headline I thought it was like the whole stadium but it was just like bits here and there and then certain yeah. other parts were just empty and it's just like that just looks weird too like if you score there's a bunch of cardboard cutouts just like hi just like yay just standing in front of you like what do you it'd be so yeah. off-putting are they gonna like whip pan to the cardboard cutouts <laughs> to the cardboard cutouts just like standing there Oh, they should just like cut the FIFA crowd from like the video game and yeah. just stick it in those shots. Yeah, the guys. Same, same three guys to support you home and away every game. The same three guys, <laughs> always taking that selfie. Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah. So, but jokes aside, yeah, it's um, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, it's getting a little bit more grim as we go. But uh, moving on from that, uh, Manuel Castro uh, has been speaking with some of the the local media, uh, notably Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. uh, And yeah, he's been talking and saying, yeah, basically he uh, hasn't played meaningful football really since November 30th of last year. And he played about, what, 15 minutes against Club America. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's kind of had a rough time of it, of sorts, uh, you know, relatively, um, you know, by just having to kind of bide his time to, you know, apparently the deal for him to LA United was being worked on in February. And, uh, so he's been kind of limbo for a while and then it's like all of a sudden, yes, I finally get to play. And then, yeah, this (laughs) finally happens. Uh, but, yeah, I think the one caveat I guess is, is that he, uh, well, you know, if you can't live in Uruguay with your family and all that, if you live with Eric Rometty, I'm sure you're having a ball. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he was sh- uh, seen playing uh, kind of, yeah, penalties in his living room. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it could be a lot worse, I guess, uh, if, you know, all things considered. So, but, um, yeah, moving on from that, Atlanta United's uh, John Gallagher, who's, uh, who was on loan with Aberdeen, our sister club, he uh, has seemingly, uh, yeah, his loan has come to an end, it seems like, because the Scottish League is pretty much going to uh, end their season right now and you know, not have, uh, you know, any other discussion about it. So, you know, with that, you know, being uh, done, it pretty much means Gallagher's loan has ended and his future is kind of up in the air. Uh, now, if we do play games, then uh, Gallagher, who's pretty flexible in terms of the amount of positions that he's been able to play in the past. He's played at forward, he's played at winger, he's played at fullback. Uh, would be pretty handy, right, for us uh, if we do have games? Yeah, I'd have him. I mean, I think he could give you more cover at, like, the right wingback position with, um, oh, wow, am I dropping Brooks Lennon Brooks on Lennon. the right? And that helps you give depth to Franco Escobar. Franco Escobar can focus more on playing either as a center back in a back three or as potentially even a left wing back. So that could give you more depth at those fullback positions. And because he's kind of already covered into the cost, I believe, of the salary cap and everything, then that gives you quality depth because clearly he's he's got skills that I think would translate to, to Major League Soccer and could provide vital. And it gives you another option up top as well because he can play there. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, and the fact that he got playing time in Aberdeen, I think, is pretty encouraging as well. I mean, like, SPL may not be what it once was, but it's still, I think, a decent level, especially for a young up-and-coming MLS player. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if uh, football is able to resume this year, I could see him definitely getting at least a shout with uh, with Atlanta United, with DeBoer. You know I mean? Like, we've talked about the depth at certain positions ad nauseum. And so, you know, could he be a contributor? Possibly. Especially yeah. if you're playing in a shortened like tournament style thing, you yeah. need as much depth as you can get, and a player who can fill as many positions as that. If you're playing more compressed, that's that's got to be massive because that that answers so many question marks. Right. Uh, yeah. So moving on from that, Ezekiel Parco uh, is getting in his reps in this pandemic uh, at home in his living room. Uh, yeah, really kind of. Uh, I mean, great for him. I think really <laughs> terrible for his neighbors. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, I think he probably lives on, at least, you know, you can see from the, I think it's, you know, the sky around yeah. him that he's probably on a higher floor. So people below him, yeah. around him even. I feel pretty bad for them, but uh, he's getting his reps in. That's good. That's, uh... <laughs> Can you imagine go somebody going up there to yell at him? They don't even know who he is. It's like, sir, yeah, right. <laughs> stop playing soccer in your living room. Well, first off, you'd open the door and it's like, there's a hobbit here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's... Uh... I jest. I jest. Everyone's a hobbit, you know, next to Tanner McLeod because he's still five. I mean, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Hey, ask the top of your hair. It's up there now, too, dog. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're talking to me or you're talking to Mark, but... I'm yeah. talking to Mark, because Mark's hair is a lot taller than yours is. Yeah. Mark's hair is up where the top of my head is. Same it's level. True. It's true. I know, man. You know, we're, we're going to we're gonna see what we can do about that hair and, like, you know... We should totally kid and play the shit out of Mark. Exactly. Keep uh, keep growing that out, and we'll All see uh, what we can do. See what we can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so uh, Michael Parker's talked with the Atlanta United fans on Atlanta United Twitter, our uh, skipper, our, our number one. Uh, but he uh, was asked if uh, if he were part of a two-man goal celebration similar to Joseph and Miggy's fusion, 
what it would be and who would it be with and he answered in a i think you know just heartwarming way that uh, you just expect out of parky he said that he would likely have paired with Jonathan nagby and he would have done the shoe phone celebration and uh yeah i mean you know from some of our like after some of our best wins he was doing that that's you know, so, so like those celebrations are something that uh, I think we would have wanted to see on the field. But of course, he acknowledged that he probably wouldn't be celebrating too much anyway, since he only has and did have one career MLS goal to his name. So, yeah. One of was it from the halfway line? Yeah, well. it was. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you're only going to score one, it may as well be from the halfway line, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, what a banger that was. Holy crap. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's up there. I think really next to like maybe like David Villa in terms of like, you know, best goals from the halfway point in, uh, in MLS. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, moving on from that, Atlanta United is the winner of Atlanta Madness on WSB TV. There was a large little like uh, you know Atlanta thing type of uh, bracket for you know the void of actual March Madness, and you know there were a bunch of Atlanta things that were up against each other, but Atlanta United in all our ballot stuffing glory, we beat the likes of Waffle House, Chick Fil A, Coca Cola, and many more. And uh, I mean, you know, good on the 17th. Are we surprised? <laughs> Online poll yields Atlanta United victor. That's a exactly. stiff competition, though. Man. Yeah, it is. But I don't think that, you know, Waffle House or Chick-fil-A or, you know, Coca-Cola have supporters groups. So, uh, right. you know, that's where they don't have a contingent probably getting people to vote. So, you know, it's uh, good on us. Makes sense. But we did beat the Atlanta Hawks as well, and they don't have supporters groups either but you know that's uh that's i mean their fault. that goes hand in <laughs> they have that like one little it, section kind of a supporter group thing I it thought. reminds me of a right. student section from college yeah but it's like 12 people yeah yeah indeed yeah and i think resurgence uh like are, are you know atlanta united supporter group uh definitely try to get in there and try to get some chance going as well it, it went, went off decently um, anyway, so moving on from that, Atlanta United announced the United We Conquer initiative, and uh, this was hoping to direct supporters to safe volunteering opportunities during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and then that's, uh, they're also granting $85,000 to soccer in the streets to cover their operating and coaching expenses during this time. That's really, really great to see. I mean, you know, it's definitely... Uh, another case of Atlanta United being really, I think, ingrained in the community. Uh, also, speaking of that, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and Arthur M. Blake Foundation have partnered with Piedmont Healthcare to provide food for frontline workers. Wow. I mean, it's just another, it's like week after week that uh, Arthur Arthur Blake is just, uh, you know, and, you know, of course, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're, yeah, doing and saying the right things. And so, uh, you know, hopefully... These, uh, these people are getting some of the relief that they do need. Um, yeah, moving on from that. Uh, so Charlotte MLS, the unnamed uh, MLS team that is going to be coming in 2021, has appointed former Atlanta United manager of player personnel Bobby Belair as the director of player personnel. Uh, they announced today on Wednesday. Uh, he'll oversee the team's salary budgets and kind of build uh, the first team roster. 
uh, kind of helping that at least a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, probably a little bit of a miss because he seemed to be well regarded uh, at LA United. And I guess, you know, sometimes pastures are greener when money talks, probably. And, you know, you have a, you know, MLS owner in Charlotte that, yeah, rivals money that Arthur Blake definitely has. Uh, but I think the question is, how do you build a team from scratch when the whole world is shut down? And yeah, yeah. there's a whole like flurry of, uh, you know, how do you talk to the players? How do you scout them? They're not playing. Uh, how do you even, you know, uh, kind of have a conversation with them in, you know, face to face? How do you give them a physical? How do you? Yeah. So it's going to be probably pretty difficult, right? Yeah. I imagine, if anything, there'll be a flurry of activity for them specifically, I think, in December, January, assuming that, like, you know, this uh, COVID is more contained by then. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think all that's well said, especially with the, the scout. I guess you could, you know, you have video or an FM to scout for now, but you still have to see these guys play before you actually sign them. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you don't even see them, like, right before you sign them and yeah. you don't even know if they're fit, like... I mean, right now, even if you get a physical, it doesn't mean very much. Right. So, you know, it's uh, definitely, they have a very, very uphill battle, a mountain to uh, really surmount. But uh, so moving on from that, U.S. Soccer uh, and the Development Academy, uh, they pretty much, yeah, they, uh, U.S. Soccer announced that they will be ending the operation of the USDA. Uh, and that's affected immediately. And so that's uh, pretty much uh, where they cited the extraordinary and unanticipated circumstances around the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting financial strain as the impetus behind what is called an, quote, incredibly difficult decision. But uh, yeah, pretty probably wide-reaching impact with this, uh, probably a little bit more strain on MLS teams and maybe USL teams, yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, sure. I think uh, it's interesting. I mean, like, I think, yeah, with uh, obviously everything going on, it's probably a valid reason, but I think it also is a bit of an out because I don't think the DA might have been coming. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't think the DA program really uh, had the effect the way they intended, especially on the women's side. I mean, because the DA program was basically forcing girls to choose between them or high school and like the high school game for women is strong so like that was always a point of contention and then i think even on the men's side they just weren't uh you know whether it's finding the, the the talent cultivating the talent what have you uh the schedules you know the the coaches i don't know what exactly was the issue but i don't think it ever really uh had the effect that they wanted it to yeah Tanner. Well, I mean, it was, you know, they were tasked with basically running the leagues for the, the academies. So all of the MLS academies and a lot of USL academies were all playing. I think it was like 90 plus teams, 94 teams or something like that, all in a league together. And that's very difficult to admin, especially with a country the size of the United States. You know, size does kind of play a bit in admin, trying to schedule these teams to play each other. Um, but kind of like what you said, AJ, it's going to put more of a strain on the clubs. Although some clubs, depending on the way you look at things, that could be important because if MLS is, you know, tasked with arranging the league for the academies, 
companies, then they can make it more exclusive to make it, you know, more competitive to have a higher quality of players so that the, when the players are, you know, developing, they're playing at the best, you know, talent at that position for their age group, which in theory should yield more homegrown products. And for clubs like, you know, FC Dallas, who pride themselves on growing and selling that talent, you get 100% of homegrown player money. So, you know, I think it could be an opportunity for MLS clubs to really take a good step forward in terms of focusing on their youth and having those players come through. Because if you have a competitive academy system and you're creating more competitive American players through academies, that's going to help the national team in the league as well because you have more quality American players in your league. So, I mean, I believe in the idea of youth and I don't believe in the U.S. Soccer Federation worth a nickel. So I'm going to try to look at this as a positive and hope that teams really put put their money where their mouth is in terms of trying to grow the game. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, speaking of uh, U.S. women's uh, soccer and all that, Alex Morgan, who needs no introduction, uh, she shared her coronavirus quarantine workout, and yeah, she's prego, and she's yeah, she's not what nine months, eight months, she's nine, nine months, months pregnant. pregnant, yeah, yeah, and she's doing these exercises that I'm not even sure that I'm I've been doing during the. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I was gonna uh, say I would strap a seven pound weight to my stomach, but that would suggest that I've been doing anything remotely active. Exactly. So yeah, she's still killing it as always, but. Uh, moving on from that, uh, going over to Europe, new video of what the Bernabeu will look like, or the Bernabeu will look like, and it's pretty futuristic looking. I mean, uh, it looks pretty dope. I don't know if you guys got to take a look at it, but... It looks a lot like the bins in some ways. Like, you definitely yeah. can tell that they've probably taken some inspiration in terms of kind of the shape and how it looks on the outside is similar but different, but like the space agey kind of look and like the big mezzanines in certain areas, and then they have like a halo board type thing that goes around like the roof is wider and longer. It goes around in a bigger space, but it looks a bit like narrower than our halo board potentially, but that kind of looks kind of similar as well. But I mean, kinda, hey. It kind of reminds me of Allianz Arena a little bit. Yes, I was gonna say that as well, yeah. I mean, it's got that kind of smooth, uh, kind of, um, kind of the the lines, kind of that that kind of reminds. It's you nicer of. than the Allianz Arena. Inside <laughs> of the inside of the Allianz Arena is really stark compared to what you would expect at like a lot of grounds. Like it's not super space agey. It looks super space agey, and it's nice, but it's just typical German efficiency. It's not like a lot of wasted stuff. I mean, in certain parts of it, it is when they want it to be really nice. It's really nice, but like the mezzanines and everything, nothing particularly special. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's Real Madrid. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, they're going to go for top class. They're going to, yeah. I just want to know where they're the getting the money from because they have no money and they're still spending, wanting to spend hundreds of millions on players as well and yet doing billion dollar renovations. Okay, they're in Madrid, trip. man. They're in Madrid. Where, we don't ask uh, about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, anyway, so let's move on. And uh, so UEFA and ECA are making plans for a two-week conclusion to their showpiece tournament in the Champions League and the Europa League, of course, allowing next season to begin in September. So uh, the Continental Counter calendar would fit perfectly into the summer month as the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of both competitions would, could be played in the... Uh, about two weeks. The idea, as previously discussed, would be that each round would be decided over just a single match at a neutral venue behind closed doors. Uh, not everyone agrees with this plan. Do you guys agree with this plan? Would you uh, Would you want to see it as football fans in general? I mean, I think that the, they're going to have to be dependent on what the leagues themselves do. I think getting the actual leagues finished is going to probably take precedence over the European competitions for travel purposes. And because there's more 
money involved in certain situations in terms of rep promotions and relegations and stuff. So I think, you know, as much as those teams want to get done and the ECA, you know, always wants to push stuff because it's the best, it's the biggest clubs. Um, I still think that the league seasons are going to take priority about getting finished before the, the Europeans when, you know, do. But hey, if Manchester United win the Europa League, I'll be fine with it. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> yeah, the um, I think the most contentious part of this is the single leg. Uh, I mean, I guess, it, you know, it may end up being that that's what they have to do because, like, where, where are they going to play in general, I think, is a huge question. I guess they want to cut down on travel, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think also they're in the middle of, uh, like, even a couple, like they're in the middle of a round right now, I know, because Chelsea and Bayern Munich still have a second leg to play. It's pointless. They don't need to play it, but it has to be played, as well as some others, I think. So it's, uh, it's that's tricky. I think they're probably, I think they, they play out all the, the number of matches that wouldn't have normally taken place, like with both legs and so on, just in terms Wait. of fairness. Am I the only person here who actually has a team to watch still play in Europe, or...? Uh, <laughs> oh! I don't... I, I really doubt you guys would win anyway, so... <laughs> I, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. We were playing oh, some is, of the best football in the league before this still league got... Yes! He was! Did you see us smack Manchester City around? Did you see how they've been climbing up the table except for the fact that our first half of the season was trash? Yes, we were gonna beat out Mark's smug ass to fourth place. Ooh, I don't know about that. Hey, did you guys beat us this year? You didn't, because we smacked you every time we played you. Hush your mouth. Okay. If Billy right, Gilmore anyway. played those matches. Anyway, anyway. Billy Gilmore, really? Really? Hey, at least Arsenal won some games against yeah, Manchester we've, United. Uh, we've actually been uh, undefeated this year. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys had Arteta. Things were starting to go well. Yeah, Except exactly. for the Europa You didn't need the Europa League. You didn't need yeah. it. But anyway, so uh, back to LA United and some EMLS. Uh, so there's a LA United team up with Paulo Neto, who's our EMLS player, and Franco Escobar, who, uh, yeah, I think many penned as probably the representative for LA United. And some have actually said that he is a pro-level FIFA player. Ooh. So that's also, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, yeah, I think a big boon for us, I think, uh, in this tournament. Because I'm not sure the other guys are as good as he is. I mean, he pretty much, I, <laughs> when he's not playing for LA United, like, he's always tweeting out about him with his elite UTD team. And he's always playing. So, yeah, I think he knows his ways around the sticks yeah. Uh, for sure. And, Didn't Tito uh, say he was the best player when we interviewed him last year? I, think I forget. Did. I think uh, if we asked him, I think he did probably. So yeah, we'll see. I feel like uh, someone who knows the players has said something along those lines. Like I feel like it's this isn't the first time I've heard that Franco Escobar is really good at FIFA. Yeah. If there's betting, I'd bet on them. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I guess what else are we all doing? There might be some betting that <laughs> occurs, but I'd watch uh, it. Legally, illegally, who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it will be uh, starting on Sundays, starting on April 19th. And so uh, that will be something to look forward to, as well as some of the FIFA and kind of gaming-related content that we will be doing soon. That's a little tease. Uh, of course, we talked about it last week, but uh, stay tuned for that. That is coming soon. We are just developing it still. Uh, and also, a uh, another kind of FIFA-related thing is the return of Copa Quarantina. Uh, that's our little production that we share with the Annex Atlanta, uh, where you stay home and you stay connected by playing FIFA in a free online tournament. So 
That's uh, starting for Xbox players on April 17th at 6 p.m. And so you can still join in. I think I think by today, which is Wednesday, it's uh, pretty much half full. So you still have some spots and there will be another tournament for PS4 players. So, you know, rest assured there you can leave the outrage on another video or somewhere else. But anyway, so uh, that pretty much does it for the news and gets us to reverse pass. And simply here, we talk about Atlanta United topics from yesteryear. And, uh, you know, this week's topic pretty much is that uh, the 2018 LA United versus the 2019 LA United, who would win? And so, you know, just to give a little bit of background for both of these squads in 2018, yeah, it was a uh, 69 point team. They scored 70 goals, conceded 44 with a goal difference of 26, uh, which that 69 points they tied. Toronto's previous record of most points in a season in 2017. Unfortunately, we did not win Supporter Shield, as most of us know. Uh, you know, New York Red Bulls had the honor of winning that. They had 72 points that, uh, or sorry, 71 points that uh, LAFC broke uh, the following year. But uh, of course, we also won MLS Cup that season. And we also had uh, a really record breaking season in all like. Uh, faces and facets, rather, uh, from Joseph Martinez. Yeah, he broke goal records left and right, uh, hat-trick records. I mean, it was just a prolific season from Joseph Martinez. In 2019, we, uh, yeah, made our first appearance in the CONCACAF Champions League. We won Campeones Cup, beating Club America, being the first MLS team to do so. Uh, and we won the 2019 U.S. Open Cup. Uh, versus Minnesota United with that 2-1 win. We had 58 points. We had 58 goals as well as 43 conceded with a plus 15 goal difference. So with all that being said, we'll uh, we'll go with Mark first as who do you guys think would win versus this kind of one-off match 2018 LA United versus 2019 Atlanta United. All right, I feel like one team is uh, favorably, or, sorry, <laughs> heavily favored here. Um, but I think it's closer than than that. Um, like, okay, like I think the back lines are actually pretty close, with uh, especially with Miles in there. Um, but uh, I think I think why I like the 2018 team is one they have Maggie, which like duh. Um, but also I think I like the I prefer the wing backs and the three man midfield on the 2018 team. Like I actually prefer Escobar. Uh, at right wing back and obviously Garza like is the best left wing back that we've had um, and we've had a, quite a few uh, <laughs> and so and I think that the, yeah this three-man midfield I think would overwhelm the the two-man midfield of the, the 2019 team I think that team uh, struggled with that quite a bit uh, last year so for me I think that's yeah yeah I think probably 2018 edges it Tanner? I'm going to go 2018 as well, um, but for me, it, it comes down to the manager. It comes down to the philosophy of the team and the way that the team's played. Um, I think the 2018 team was a, you know, yes, they, they've had a defensive side to them where they would break on teams and beat them in transition, but the way that they attacked for me and the way that they exploited space and exploited mistakes from the opposition and were ruthless, that that's something that I think wins regardless. And, and yes, the 2019 team was a bit better defensively in certain areas, but 
I, I just think that, you know, it would have been, it would be interesting to see, you know, how the 2019 team would, would, you know, with a more athletic miles would counter someone like Miguel Amron on his pace in, in transition. But I still would take the 2018 team because just the way that they played seemed more cohesive and overall better um, than the 2019 team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the margins are probably a lot closer than we actually think. Uh, obviously we have that nostalgia of, uh, the 2018 being kind of a little bit more maybe attractive football, uh, definitely a little bit more swashbuckling. So definitely, uh, yeah, the attacking side of it uh, kind of yeah, brings a little bit of romance that uh, I think still lingers in most people's minds. Um, yeah, 2019 though, yeah, definitely. I think both squads were very, very deep, but 2019, I think the depth showed in the U.S. Open Cup where, yeah, I mean, we pretty much had at least like what five or six other guys that uh came into the side and yeah during the campionas cup as well where you know you just see just a really really deep side that can hang in a lot of competitions and when you have that uh yeah it's pretty strong but that's with that being said i said one-off so you know that one-off it's gonna be really really difficult for uh i think the 2019 side to cope with miggy to cope with uh, even if you have guys coming on, uh, you know, off the bench with Tito, with Ezekiel Barco, I mean, it's just so dynamic and, you know, you just have so many weapons. Um, and then you see, yeah, like Garza wasn't even, you know, mostly the guy that was playing at left wing for most of the year. He was injured uh, in that New York Red Bulls game in the summer. And yeah, Chris McCann held it down for the most part. Uh, so you have guys that, uh, you know, even if, uh, you know, a Garza wasn't in there. I mean, it's such a tough team to play against. Uh, I mean, all the points accumulated in that season, I mean, it just really tells the tale. So, I mean, uh, but I think that the difference is, I think, a little bit if uh, we have an Emerson Hyman or even an Eric Rometty, um, you know, in that 2019 side versus the 2018 side that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you have uh, Julian Gressel kind of, Floating as the midfielder, where you know you might have a loose touch here and there. Uh, that's where I think it's not really, you know, it's not as a landslide as everyone thinks it might be, because there are some deficiencies that uh, you know teams can get at. And so, uh, yeah, I think for me, it still edges it out. I think I want to, I want to get a, like a score line from you guys as well. But for me, for me, I think it's a, I think it'll be somewhat of a shootout a little bit. Um, and there will be, I think, some goals, obviously, from Jose Martinez, but I think, you know, and Ezekiel Barco, uh, kind of, you know, in his form in 2019, uh, you know, was able to definitely find the back of the net a little bit more as well. Um, I think there was a little bit more balance of somewhat of goals in 2019. Uh, I think it was a little bit more kind of top heavy, uh, in 2018, but I think it's 3 2 the uh the score line what do you guys think i think uh yeah i think it's four two yeah i, I see the goals in here i could even see it being like two two at one point and that's the thing it's like if you have like barco and pd on the field you have two you know absolute playmakers two guys who are capable of making that contribution whether it's a goal or assist and i still i think with that alone you know the 2019 team is a threat so 
but yeah, I think the 2018 team would still probably bring it home. They would just, uh, like Tanner said, they were just a little more cohesive, uh, definitely more clinical. I mean, like Joseph alone, you know, like how do you compare his 2018 versus 2019 season? But I guess you go with the season where he uh, played more and broke the record. So, but uh, yeah, 4-2 for me. I'd say 3-1 to 2018 team. I think there was just something about their their resiliency, their mentality. There was something different about that team um, than versus the 2019 version, which you know had its internal struggles and its strife throughout the season. Um, the togetherness and all that combined with the quality, I think that the 2019 team plays a little bit more into the 2018 team's defense because they're a bit slower in attack, not as quick in transitions, which suits you if you're you know, playing a Michael Parkhurst. Um, and I think that 2018 team is better building out of the back with both LGP and Parkhurst um, than the 2019 team. So I'd say, yeah, 3-1 to the 2018 team. Uh, yeah, and it's also this. I think the differences between the sides are uh, really between uh, just kind of, well, Pretty key players, obviously. I mean, uh, you have Miggy, you have PT, you have uh, Ezekiel Barco being in the side more so. Um, Miles versus Parky. Um, maybe a Flo Pogba because uh, Flo Pogba was the guy on the field for those uh, those wins. It wasn't Franco Escobar. So, I mean, I think obviously you lose a little bit there as well. Not only in pace, but also distribution and, uh, you know, being able to track back when... You know, he ventures upfield. So, uh, yeah, the I think the margins, I think, like I've said, a little bit closer than we all think. But it is definitely, I think, uh, a fun little thought experiment for everybody to uh, think of in this pandemic. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, fans, uh, audience, please let us know who you think would win in the comments below. I mean, I think we uh, we know what the majority thinks, but there have been a lot of people that have been sticking up for the 2019 squad as well. So uh, that's not to say that they wouldn't have anything uh, to say about it at the end of the day. But uh, anyway, that does it for Reverse Pass and gets us to the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. So first question comes from Elogical11. What do you think uh, this stoppage will do to Castro and his loan deal? Of course, uh, his loan deal, I believe, ends at the end of June, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so, or July. Uh, either way, uh, it ends in the summer. And the likelihood, if we even play a month, uh, then, well, you know, I think there could be an issue if, uh, you know, his loan ends and we're, uh, yeah, now we, we're down a player. So, uh, what do you guys think? I think we would extend it personally. I, I think it's it's the right thing to do because you don't bring someone up here and then make them, you know, kind of move their life to have them stuck in this crisis and then say, oh, never mind, no thanks, and send them back. You at least have to give him a fair shake in terms of giving him, you know, time and training to really see if he can settle, blend in, and then improve his game and then, you know, test trying to get into, fir into the first team. So, you know, I think we extend it. I think you have to. I mean, it's not like it's that much money anyway. So I think it gets extended. Yeah, agreed. I think it gets extended. Um, I think also, uh, oh, crap, I lost it. Shit, my bad. <laughs> it's all good. It's say. all good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think for in terms of Castro, for me, I think yeah, um, you know, I, you just haven't seen him enough, as well as you know the kind of personal reasons as well, and so you don't know what type of goods you have until you try it, and so you know, 15, 20 minutes of time is really not definitive. So, uh, yeah, I think it's something that you you do. And then uh, if 
you know, we uh, we do play more and he shows even more than, yeah, then we have a player on our hands. So, um, yeah, next question comes from Luke Say. Thoughts on replacing this MLS season with a UCL type tourney when play can resume? Yeah, uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know how that would work. Like, I don't know how you would fairly see that. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel, I just, so it would be like group stages. And then, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, maybe, but I uh, I don't I don't know. I just, <laughs> it, it's funky. I think maybe, if anything, a shortened season. You know, not 34 games, but to go full tournament style, uh, I don't like it, personally. Yeah. But would you even still have the supporter shield? Because yeah, it's you know less and less becoming a uh, an important trophy by the day. Uh, so you know it's one of those things where uh, you maybe have to play a little bit more intra uh, conference and you know kind of try to make it a little bit more fair, at least in the fans' eyes. Maybe I would also. I don't want it to do that. I want to make that clear. But also, I think it would suit Atlanta United because I think DeBoer kind of has a bit of a cup manager feel to him as well, mm -hmm. where he gets time if he's very specific about this team. And it's, okay, this game, then this game, then this game, and he can have it segmented. I don't know. I feel like the methodical side of him would probably get things pretty spot on. And sometimes being a bit more defensive can be successful in a tournament setting. So that might suit Atlanta United better. Although I think regardless of what happens, whoever wins whatever trophy they come up with, everyone else is going to say that it doesn't count. So I already know that Astros, in a hypothetical Astros. world that if Atlantean had won that, we would all claim it and everyone would hate us for it, but we would still claim it all the same because that's what we do. And I know I would absolutely do that myself. So, Yeah, no, it's true. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having to warm up to these ideas, these crazy, wacky ideas as, uh, as it goes on because, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're starting to run out of options as the year goes on and so, um, you know, I'm maybe slightly for it. I don't know. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. But um, next question and last question comes from Keaton Thomas 61. Uh, he asks, what will be the first thing you look forward to when the quarantine is over? We'll go over to you, Tanner. Uh, getting back and playing soccer again. I mean, before it stopped, I was playing, you know, three times a week and I'm very competitive. So being able to be competitive in a sport that also gets my lazy ass moving more. Um, I was having a bunch of fun with all the people I was playing with and I just can't wait to get back out there and get that kind of consistency of just hitting the ball again. I mean, yeah, I missed that the most. Mark? I honestly would say tailgating at the Gulch, but I get the feeling that that's not going to happen for a long time. You know what I mean? So uh, in terms of what's uh, more possible in the near future, hopefully is just sitting down at a restaurant, to be perfectly honest. Just, uh, yeah. And, you know, eating with you guys and all my other friends, you know, that's that's really what I miss more than anything. You got other friends? No, no. That was, that was low hanging fruit. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 That's wait, wait. <laughs> you you no. have friends? Yeah. Oh, and no. I'm leaving this Mark, call. Oh, and fine. Mark Nichols has left the call. <laughs> Mark left. Nichols has left the chat. But no, no. We love you. No, there's. Uh, I that was low hanging fruit. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think likewise for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be able to. Yeah. You know, give you guys a big hug. I mean, I miss you guys in person, that's for sure. I think the restaurant thing, I feel you for sure. Uh, definitely going to games, obviously. That's, I think, probably without being said, but someone had to say it since no one else said it. Uh, but I think the top thing for me is uh, getting Korean barbecue. 
that I am missing hard, hard. Because, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it. With the banchan, with the meats that are, you're just getting the meat sweats right in front of you. Oh my God, I miss it hardcore. Anyway, so. I've never had Korean barbecue. <laughs> what? Well, that's exactly what we gotta do when the quarantine. Honestly, it sounds like sounds like it's probably a good thing because I'd be missing it, missing something else really bad right now. So you know, something to look forward to, but not something that I'm you know missing horribly out on because clearly both of you uh, are missing something hard. Yeah, indeed. But uh, that does it for the mailbag and gets us to the question of the day. So today's question is: What's your favorite soccer-related movie? I know it has nothing to do with anything else in this show, but, you know, I think if you have any sort of suggestions that, uh, you know, kind of might throw us off or, uh, you know, might kind of add to our filmography of, uh, you know, soccer-related movies that we should watch, then please let us know in the comments below. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to apologize one more time to Mark because I feel bad. Yo, I really didn't mean to make you uh, feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, hey, leave it. I'm gone. I'm out of here. All right, all right. So anyway, he's a Chelsea fan. Fuck him. <laughs> damn, damn. It's harsh on these pandemic streets right now. All right. So <laughs> anyway, but guys, that does it for us today. Be safe. Be kind. Not like I was just earlier, but uh, but don't be kind of safe. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner and Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.